Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Next Level Christianity series, which walks through the book of Philippians, seeing how God wants us to grow to the next level. We hope that this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. Let's take our Bibles tonight. Let's go to Philippians chapter number four. Philippians chapter four. Philippians chapter number four, and uh, I'm sure that you can relate. You've been in a conversation with somebody, uh, maybe that uh, while you were talking that you thought of one last thing to say, oh, by the way, I've got one more thing. Uh, Maybe you've been on the phone with your mom, and she says that. Maybe you're on the phone, and you say, okay, mom, I got to go, and she says, oh, wait, 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 just one more thing. My phrase that I use often with the staff that probably annoys them is the statement, oh, hey, before I let you go, I say that all the time. Uh, We'll be doing something, hey, Samantha, before I let you go, Uh, Brian, before I let you go. You know what, usually, usually when you say something like that, hey, before I let you go, or just one more thing, it's one of two things, either A, You've totally forgotten, and you're like, oh, no, I better say this before because I just remembered. That's my mom. That's why my mom does it. Or that, that's the first reason. Or the second is because you've been waiting because this is the last thing. Hey, before I let you go, I, I want to mention something to you because I want this to be on your mind when our conversation ends. I want you to be thinking about this when we hang up. When we come to the book of Philippians in chapter number four in the last four verses, verse 20, 21, 22, and 23, I find Paul giving the statement, hey, before I let you go. It's not not because Paul has forgotten about these things. As a matter of fact, all four of the truths that we're going to see tonight, Paul has preached on and given encouragement about. But I believe that as Paul wraps up the book, as he normally would wrapping up his writing, Paul would always end on things that would stir thought within the reader. It wasn't just, all right, well, see you later. It was always, hey, before I go, here's some things I want to mention to you. As we come to Philippians 4 tonight and we see Paul's before I let you go moment, I discover that the four things that Paul writes about, I believe, probably identified all of Paul's ministry. I really think, honestly, in looking at all four of these things, I think they are four things that Paul thought about constantly. And I believe tonight that if we would allow God to speak to us, I believe that we could leave here saying, God, help me. Help me, like Paul, to focus on these four things. Four things every day that I believe God could use in my life if we would just simply focus on them. So tonight, we're gonna look at Paul giving this before I let you go. So take your Bible, if you would, Philippians chapter four, and we're gonna begin reading in verse number 20. Philippians chapter four and verse number 20. Paul writes this. Now unto God our Father be glory forever and ever, amen. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you. Chiefly they that are of Caesar's household, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. I'll be honest, when I was studying for this series and I was planning everything out, I thought, well, I'll just, 
I'll just put those four verses in with the 10th message. I had planned for this to be 10 messages, the series. But three weeks ago, as I was finalizing everything, man, I came to these four verses and I thought, there's, there's a lot there. <laughs> there's a lot in these four verses. And in these four verses, I find, again, just four simple thoughts that I believe captured Paul's mind all the time. And I think as he was writing to the church at Philippi, he wanted it to capture their mind as well. And so tonight, I hope that these four things would capture our mind as well. Let's pray, and let's ask God to speak to us and then dive right into the message. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, why don't you take a minute and just ask the Lord to speak to you. Ask God to speak to you and... Just commit to him, God, if you speak to me, if you speak to me, I'm listening to you, and I'll, I'll respond to you. Dear Lord, we want to come before you, and we want to thank you for the day. Thank you for this morning service. Thank you for speaking to our hearts there. Thank you for the guests we had, the returning guests. Thank you, Lord, for those that joined us online. Thank you for the service tonight. Thank you for the time of singing. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to come to you broken and for you to work in our life and then allowing us to lift up our praise to you. God, it is uh, far below what you deserve. And so, Lord, we just want to thank you for allowing us to gather together. And God, I want to pray tonight that as we look into your word, Father, I just humble my mind and my heart to you that you would speak through me to your people, speak to my heart once again. Lord, help me to convey the truths that you want and to speak with your words and your mind and your heart tonight. I love you, Lord. Thanks for loving us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have been with us in our series, then you'll recall that the book of Philippians is really just a letter that Paul wrote to the believers at Philippi. While he wrote about a number of things, I believe that one of the key thoughts that Paul was trying to get across throughout the entire writing is God has more for you. Wherever you're at in your stage of Christianity, know that God has more growth for you. He has help for you. He has what we've called next level Christianity. God has more in store for you. And, and I kind of think that that's been the thrust of the letter, if you will. But through this letter, Paul's written about a number of topics and really a number of, of convicting lessons uh, if you'll recall, he wrote about finding joy in circumstances. We looked at the message of, of seeing sunlight through darkness, seeing light through the clouds, and understanding that no matter what situation we're in, that we can find joy in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul wrote about walking in humility through this life. He wrote about living a life that completely points to Christ. And he wrote about continuing forward for the Lord, no matter the cost that it may it may. Uh, no matter the price that you may have to pay. And then recently, just a, last week, we were with Paul as he wrote about being content in this life and finding contentment in our relationship with the Lord. But then he also just wrote about his thanksgiving, the, the thankful spirit he had toward the believers at, at Philippi. Remember last week, he thanked them for their extravagant giving. He said, hey, I just want to thank you for giving to my ministry. No one else gave, but you guys saw a need and you were extravagant. But then he said this, but your giving wasn't just to a man or to a ministry. Your giving is fruit to your eternal accounts. 
Man, it is fruit to your heavenly account. When you give towards the Lord work, you are giving towards eternity. And what a great reminder Jesus even taught in Matthew chapter number six that we can lay up treasures in heaven uh, where moth nor rust corrupts and thieves don't break through and steal because where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. And, And Paul really just wrote about that and helped these believers know, hey, I'm thankful for you and I'm thankful for your giving. And then Paul comes to these last few verses, his before I let you go moment. And he speaks on four specific things. I want you to notice these four lessons tonight that we can be challenged with as Paul closes out this letter to the believers at Philippi. Notice, first of all, Paul writes about the idea that every single person should glorify God. Man, every one of us glorify God. Notice verse number 20. Verse number 20, Paul closing the letter. He says, now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever, amen. Unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever, amen. As Paul concludes this letter, he calls our attention once again to the glory and the praise to God, which he alone is worthy of. Paul, he could have spoken of his relationship to the believers. And and really, if you think about it, uh, Paul could have closed this letter by saying, hey, remember me. And there were a couple letters where he did, hey, remember my bonds. But he, if you go and you research Paul's writing, almost all of his letters conclude with some form of, hey, make sure you bring glory to God. Hey, make sure you are glorifying the Lord. Paul really could have spoken in this last part of the letter about his relationship with the believers. He could have spoken about his love for them or their respect that they should have for him. Paul could have reminded them of who he was and why he wrote the letter. He could have maybe repeated himself again. But instead, we find Paul once again giving God all the glory and all the praise. And and he highlights the relationship that we have with God. Not only is he God, Jehovah God, but he's also your father. Man, I love that. I love that he ties that in. Uh, Now, unto God, oh, and our Father. He's not just some uh, superior being that's in heaven. He is not just God in heaven. No, when you trust him, Savior, he's God, your Father. That brings so much more to the personal relationship. It brings so much more, like Brian said, to the idea of him as a father with arms open wide waiting for his children. Man, I'm so thankful that God invites us into his family. I'm so thankful that God invites us to be born into his family and we receive the spirit of adoption, Romans 8, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Man, and Paul highlights that, hey, all glory belongs to God, and he's our Father. You think about it tonight when you and I say glory to God or glory to the Father, we're not saying that we just glorify somebody we don't know. Man, we're glorifying our Heavenly Father. We're bringing glory to the one who bought us. We're bringing glory to the one who loved us first, to the one who secures us, to the one who encourages us, who strengthens us. We are glorifying the one who walks with us and the one who calls us his children. And so as Paul wraps up, I can imagine him thinking, hey, guys, don't don't even don't don't bring glory to me. Don't bring praise to me for writing this letter to you. Hey, there's no magnification that belongs here. No. Now unto God our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul is saying this glory for the Lord should just keep continuing on and the glory that belongs to him is never ending. Now I want to say tonight we often we can make 
We make superheroes out of men and women in the Bible. And we need to know that they were just flesh and blood like we are. And while we can look up to and even try to emulate their faith, the reality is that we need to understand that believers fought the same temptations that we do. And Paul, he, he fought off pride just like we do. And here I think Paul would perhaps be fighting back some pride because Paul could have said, hey, I've influenced you in some great ways. Hey, I've given you some great tips. Hey, I, and Paul could have pointed to himself, but instead he just simply said, no, glory belongs to the Lord. You know, I think that that thought really was a grounding thought for all of Paul's ministry. I think that's one of the reasons that Paul was so effective and so used of God in the ways that he was. Is because Paul's life was consumed with bringing glory to God. You think about how constant Paul's pointing to the Lord was. How he continually said praise belongs to him. It was Paul that would always say, hey, all the glory belongs to him. Think about all of these passages, 1 Corinthians 6.20, and these are just a handful, where he wrote, for you are bought with a price, therefore, hey, because you're saved, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Ephesians 3.21, he said, now unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end, amen. Romans 16.27, as he closed out that letter, he said, to God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ. Christ forever. Amen. First Corinthians 131, he said that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. First Timothy chapter one, verse number 17. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. You know what Paul did? Paul journeyed through this life with the spirit of God, bring glory to yourself through me. Even in misfortune. God, even in hardship. Think about this. Paul is sitting in a jail. We're going to recap this quite a few times tonight. Paul's sitting in a jail expecting his life to soon be over. And yet he writes, hey, all glory belongs to him. Give him all glory and all praise. I want to ask you tonight, who is your life glorifying? Is your life, is my life, is it bringing him glory like, like someone like Paul? You see, we have circumstances and situations that we go through and we want everybody to look at us and feel sorry for us and hey, oh, poor me. And you know, I've got, I've got this and I've got this problem and I've got this issue and I've got this. Uh, here's Paul literally sitting in a jail cell and he could have written, hey, there's a lot happening. <laughs> hey, I need you. And while he wrote through the letter some ways that they'd encouraged him, the goal of Paul was always, I just want to glorify him. I wonder what's our goals. Man, tomorrow when we wake up, tomorrow as you go to work, as you serve in your family, as you go to school, as we go through life, who are we trying to glorify? I think one of the lessons that grounded Paul's ministry was this lesson, I'm just going to glorify God. And so as he writes out these last words, hey, 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 before I let you go, I want to encourage you, glorify God. Number two, notice what else Paul wrote. Before I let you go, I want to encourage you, welcome believers. 
welcome believers. Where do we see this? Look at verse number 21. Verse number 21, Paul says this. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. I love the word salute and the word greet. Salute and greet. If you look at these <clears throat> words, these are words that we, or this, in this verse, we find Paul encouraging the believers to be a blessing, to be welcoming, and to be an encouragement to anybody else who claims the name of Jesus Christ. Salute and greet, both of these words mean these four, they can mean these four words. It can mean greet, welcome, embrace, and receive. And in this passage in particular, the context carries the thought of all four. It's an all-encompassing, welcoming relationship. So what does Paul say? He says, hey, I just wanna give you the concept to accept, recognize, and welcome everybody who names the name of Jesus Christ. And to show this, I think Paul here, he says that word again, the same word as salute. He says, uh, hey, salute all the brethren. By the way, everybody who's with me, we salute you. We greet you. We welcome you. This isn't him. Some people would say, well, this is, yeah, this is just Paul saying hi. If it was Paul saying hi, he would have just said hi. Like, hey, we want to say hi to you. But he doesn't. In this verse, Paul says, hey, salute every brother and welcome them, receive them, encourage them, embrace them. Why did Paul say this? Before we see why Paul said it, I want us to know that Paul not only said it, he also illustrated it. He illustrated it even in this book, in this letter. Go back just a few pages. Go back to Philippians chapter one. Just turn back three pages in your Bible or maybe two, depending upon what size print you have, to chapter one, Philippians chapter one. <clears throat> the verses are on the screen as well, but I want you to see it in your Bible. Paul wrote this, hey, some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And therein I, and, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. What a thought from Paul, because here's Paul sitting in jail, and there are people, the context would lead us to believe, that there are people who are outside of the jailhouse preaching Christ and, and preaching Jesus, hoping that it would hurt Paul, hoping that it would cause some agony to Paul while he was in jail. And yet, there was another group preaching Christ who were kind of uh, affiliated with Paul, and like, man, Paul, we're for you. And you know what Paul said in this moment? Enemies, people against him who were Christians, people who, for, who were for him who were Christians. And here's what Paul says. I don't care. I'm just glad Jesus is being preached. Man, I don't care what's happening with them. I just praise God that Jesus is being preached. Man, what a testimony. What a testimony. Paul saying, hey, not only should you 
say hello, but welcome other believers. Receive other believers. Paul had people, other believers, who were totally against him, but his response to them was, I am for Jesus being preached. What an encouraging word from Paul. What an encouraging thought then in Philippians chapter four and verse number 21. Salute every saint in Christ. Oh, by the way, we salute you. We greet you. We welcome you. I wonder how different would Christianity look if every believer practiced this today? But let's be honest, this is hard. You say, why is it hard? It's hard to love somebody who doesn't like you. It's hard to be for somebody who's not for you. It's hard to be kind to somebody who's not kind to you. It's hard to be welcoming to somebody who speaks against you. And yet all throughout scripture, we're encouraged to do it. It's not impossible. As a matter of fact, the reason it's hard for us is because we are looking at the person through our lens and through our hurt. Instead, we should look at that person through God's lens and through God's love. And I asked a moment ago, why do you think it is that Paul wrote to be welcoming it's because of this simple truth, and this is one, of, one reason. Believers need to stick together. Think about this. Other Christians, people who know Christ, I'm not talking about cults and wrong religions. I'm talking about believers who know Jesus Christ is, is the crucified Lord, risen and, and coming again for us, and they put their faith and their trust completely in him. That's what I'm talking about. We're gonna all be in heaven together. And you know what's going to happen in heaven? Uh, you're going to have to, like, get along. You married couples are like, oh, pfft. here we go. Couples conferences this weekend, pastor. Don't give it to you. Now, listen, I'm not just talking about your spouse. People that you don't like that claim the name of Jesus Christ, you might be worshiping God with them in heaven. You might be right next to them. So go ahead and practice it now. Go ahead and get along now. You say, well, pastor, you don't know what that other Christian, listen, uh, this is not me playing a pity game and I've said this before so you'll understand where I'm coming from. There are people that hate me. I don't get it. I mean, I'm a really lovable person. <laughs> Maybe I, I was, there's some that are, who said amen? <laughs> Micah, Jace, I love you guys, thank you. It was just you? You are now my favorite. My favorite Micah. No, she's my favorite Lena, and he's my favorite Dennis, but he's my favorite Micah. Uh, listen, you know what happened? I totally forgot where I was going with this. Uh, there are people out there that they don't like me, and there have been people that have put mean things on the internet. You know that place where everything is true. They put mean things on the internet about me. And you know it's hard. It's hard to see them again. And I know what they wrote. And they know what they wrote. Sometimes they don't know that I know what they wrote. And sometimes they do know that I know that they know that they wrote what they wrote. But you know what? 
You know what God challenged me with a number of years ago? I think it was nine years ago, Mike and I were having the conversation about somebody that, has, that was just blasting us and even talking bad about people in the church. And Mike and I had the conversation. And I said, Mike, my goal is to always leave the door open. I don't want them to ever look back and say, well, pastor said that. Well, Dennis Fountain said that. Man, God convicted me. I'm for you. <laughs> I love you. If you love Jesus and you're saved and you know Christ, I'm for you. I wonder, how would Christianity look different if you and I practice this? Like, Because there's believers that you work with that maybe you don't see eye to eye on some issues. That's okay. If they know Christ as Savior and you know Christ as Savior, Paul says, salute them, welcome them, receive them. Now, what a concept that would really change Christianity, but this isn't something that only Paul wrote about. And Jesus talked about this. John 15, 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Paul wrote about it in 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 as touching brotherly love. Uh, ye need not that I write unto you for ye yourselves are taught of God. Hey, listen, God puts it in you, love one another. Peter wrote about 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 21, seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Romans 13, eight, Paul said, owe no man anything but to love one another. Hey, you owe it to your brothers in Christ to love them. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. First John three eleven. for this is the message that you heard from the beginning that we should love one another. And you know what John was referring to? He was referring to something else that he had written. The words of Jesus, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. Oh, it wasn't a new commandment to love one another. The next part was the new part. See, Deuteronomy said, hey, love people. The old law said love people. But Jesus said, a new commandment I give unto you that you love as I love. That's where the difficulty comes in. Because he loves perfectly. He loves with forgiveness. He loves continuously. He loves with no strings attached. His love is complete. And Jesus says, hey, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another by this. By what? By this love. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one to another. Can I help us with something tonight is just this very simple truth. There are people who are unbelievers. They don't believe in Jesus who are watching believers, those who do believe in Jesus, and they're watching the relationship that believers have. And those unbelievers could become believers when they see believers loving and welcoming and encouraging and being a blessing to other believers. But do you know what we do sometimes? We do this. It's amazing to me. It, I'm gonna preach longer on this point than I had planned. It's amazing to me how believers let the littlest thing cause them to get frustrated at other Christians. It's amazing. Well, you don't know. They parked in my spot. They sat in my spot. 
They, I was getting coffee back there and Leo cut me off. <laughs> Leo walked right in front of me to get his coffee. And, pe- and people get offended over the smallest little things. Oh, pastor, can you believe that? Pastor asked us to come to the couples conference. I, I can't believe, I can't believe that he would think that we, you say, pastor, that's silly. No, no, no. If I told you some of the things people have said to me about other people offending them within our church walls, and I've had to look at them and say, really? And you know what my two words are? It's not probably the most godly words, but I think it's biblical. Grow up. That's my words. You say, pastor, you don't care. You're right. I care, but you know what? Sometimes Christians, we let the smallest thing become the little splinter that gets under our nail and it just nags and nags and nags. Hey, you know what other people are doing? The outside world is watching how you treat other believers and other Christians in the Lord. And you know what they need to see? Man, they need to come in here and see me and you just being an encouragement to each other and welcoming each other and and loving each other. Man, I'm so thankful, and I I mean this with all my heart. I'm thankful for the spirit of unity at Moses Lake Baptist Church. I truly am. Hannah and I have been a part of, of course, my dad's ministry, and then I've grown up in church. It's all I've ever known. My parents have been in ministry for now 50 years. We've We've been around church a very long time, and I'll be honest, my parents have said it. Hannah and I have said it. Some of the staff have said it. I've never been in a church family like Moses Lake Baptist. I never have where everybody like, likes each other. It's awesome. And that's what it's supposed to be. And I want to encourage you tonight, man, have the spirit that, that kindness is going to affect every area of your life towards believers. And that's a thought I had. Kindness to believers should affect, it should be in every area in my life. I mean, truly, this would be a game changer if we would just receive and encourage and welcome and support anybody who names the name of Jesus Christ. When I see someone who I know is a believer and perhaps not kind to me, I should still be kind to them. I wrote it down in my notes, and so that has to mean I need to say it. But online, on social media, when someone has a different opinion than you, but you know that that person knows Christ as their Savior, who cares? Like, don't argue. You don't see it. I see it because I'm a pastor, and I see other pastors that bicker at each other. And I'm like, two words, grow up. Well, but did you know that Brian, Brian sang this song and that song was written in 2020. We're not allowed to sing songs unless they were written before 1914. So I'm going to get on here and I'm going to post why I think they're doing it wrong. Two words. What are they? Man, you say, Pastor, that's kind of harsh and kind of rude. No, 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 no. How about if we kept it in our minds? I'm just welcoming people. I love you. I'm for you. 
I'm, I'm for Jesus Christ. I mean, even Jesus, right? I uh, Think about Jesus. The disciples came to Christ and they said, hey, Jesus, there are people preaching in your name. Strike them dead. And Jesus is like, hey, they're not against me. They're for me. But, uh, 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 but Jesus, they don't come to my church. Uh, Jesus, they don't attend the fellowship of the apostles that we have right here. I imagine that in the Greek, Jesus spoke two words to them. (laughs) I just want to encourage you tonight. When you go through life, and as you go through your day in and day out ministry, you're going to see people. You're going to come across believers. You're going to see somebody post something that you would have worded it differently. That's okay. Again, I'm not talking about cultish things or heretical things or somebody saying, well, I believe that salvation is through baptism. Listen, that, I, I give you permission. God gives us permission to say, well, no, here's the biblical approach to you know, salvation. Why? Because that's like a core doctrine. But just tonight, I want to encourage you, as you go through your week this week, welcome other believers. I really think that this is something that shaped Paul's ministry. And I believe God gave Paul a broader reach because Paul just loved Christians. Hey, I'm for you. I love it. Four lessons Paul learned. Number one, glorify God. Number two, welcome believers. Number three, and probably, probably one of my favorites is this, don't limit the gospel. Oh, listen, don't miss it tonight. Verse 22. Verse 22 is the reason I'm preaching these four verses is because verse 22 really just jumped at me. All the saints salute you. Remember Paul, verse 21, hey, salute every saint in Christ Jesus. Uh, The guys that are with me salute you and all the saints salute you. Chiefly, they that are of whose household? It gives me chills. And I'll probably cry as I'm talking about this because it it is just, it has ministered to me so much over this week. Listen, Paul is in jail. He's about to, he's about to be put to death. And he didn't know it. We know it looking back that he got out and had a few, a few short years of being free and then would go back into jail and, and pay his life for the cause of Jesus Christ. But at this time, when he's penning this, he is thinking, tomorrow I could die. Tomorrow I could die. And yet, while he is in jail, you know who he's reaching? He's reaching Nero's family. This phrase, Caesar's household, it would mean servants and family. That's what it would mean. So here's Paul writing to the believers at Philippi. Hey, as I'm sitting here, as I'm sitting here in the Mamertine prison, as I'm awaiting execution, as I'm sitting in this holding cell, I've been sharing Jesus. And we've reached Caesar's family. We've reached Nero's family. We've reached servants within the household. We've reached Roman guards. We know that to be true from other lessons. We know that to be true even from Acts 16, the Philippian jailer. Here's Paul writing back 
to the church at Philippi that was probably started in a jailer's house, in a guard's house. And Paul writes back to this church, hey, even though I'm sitting in another jail cell, Nero's family's trust in Christ. Now that may not like capture your heart like it has mine, but I've learned a few thoughts about this. We know that Jesus, we know that Paul preached Jesus in jail cells. Uh, Acts 28, 31, it says, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence and no man forbidding him. This is encapsulating Paul when he was arrested uh, the very first time and there in Jerusalem and eventually, or there in um, Rome now in Acts 28. He would be in this jail cell, I believe, from here writing. What was he doing? Man, he was just preaching Jesus. And in Paul writing this, that chiefly the, those of Caesar's household greet you, I learned two very simple thoughts. And they are, it's this. Number one, never underestimate. The, actually, that's not the first lesson. That's just the point I have there. Never underestimate the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But here's the two lessons. Number one, there is no person beyond the reach of Jesus Christ. Hey, there's nobody. There's no one whom Jesus can't save. There's no one. Oh, well, wait, doesn't the, no, there's no one. There are some that have completely rejected it, but even they, as long as you're breathing, I believe even they still have a chance. When I look at this thought and these two thoughts, there's no one in your life beyond his reach. This helps me out so much because I think of plenty of people who I deem as unreachable. I think of plenty of people that I know and people that I don't know that I think, well, they're unreachable. Man, they're so far gone. Man, that political figure, they're so far off. Man, that Hollywood figure, they're so far out there. Man, that, that sports person, that we think, man, they are so far gone. Can I just help us tonight? They're not. Well, but pastor, you don't understand. I've been praying for them for so long. Keep praying. Pastor, you don't understand. I, I've witnessed to them for many years. Hey, keep witnessing for many more. Well, I've been fearful. I've been fearful because, man, every time I've ever brought Jesus up to them, they get mad. Keep, keep bringing them up. Oh, not, in a, not in an aggressive way. Not in a, I'm, gonna just, I'm just gonna shove this on you way. But ask God for opportunities like Nehemiah did and watch God open up doors. I have this thought here that if you don't speak for Christ to people, you are guaranteed to know what's going to happen. If you don't share Christ with people, you are guaranteed to know they're not gonna make a decision because of you. Guaranteed but you don't know what could happen if you'd simply speak up. You don't know what coworker could trust Christ if you simply shared Jesus. Paul never would have known what would happen. He never would have reached into Caesar's household had he given up hope. Paul could have thought, they're way unreachable. I mean, Nero's fan, Nero arrested me. His family is against me. And yet Paul spoke up. And what an amazing thought. First thought I learned about don't limit the gospel. Is there no person beyond the reach of Jesus Christ? Second is this. 
there is no circumstance that can silence the gospel. Often, if you're like me, there are circumstances that dictate your actions. And because of our circumstances, we can fail to speak up for the Lord like we should. But I think I'm challenged from Paul in this lesson, in this message, in this verse, because, again, Paul's sitting in a jail cell. And yet, he's still winning people to Christ. I mean, he's sitting in a, you know, seven-foot cylinder. And yet, he's still trusting, he's still reaching people with the gospel. Man, there's no circumstance that can silence the gospel of Christ. It's only people who silence it. And often it's the people who carry it that silence it. I want to encourage you tonight, the three lessons that we've already learned. Paul, he's sitting there in a jail cell. Oh, hey, before I let you go, glorify God. Before I let you go, welcome believers. Before I let you go, don't limit the gospel. And lastly tonight, before I let you go, embrace God's grace. Hey, embrace his grace. Notice verse 23. Philippians 4:23. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. This was a common benediction, a common closing that Paul would give, but it is often a prayer that Paul prayed as a, a, as a prayer of encouragement, saying God's grace, may God's grace be always upon you. The word grace here, it means divine inf- God's divine influence, favor, and strength. And this is Paul saying, hey, I am praying and I encourage you to embrace the grace of God. Allow his divine influence, his favor, and his strength to ever be at work in your life. You know what we need? We need God's grace in our life. We need his divine divine favor. We need his influence. We need his strength. We need his grace. But you know what we can do is we can resist it. We can resist God's grace. We can resist his strength being real and active in our life. And every day we can lean into our own strength or we can depend upon his strength. But every day, every day, we can choose to let his grace work in us. Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians 9, 8. God, he is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound unto every good work. I'm gonna read that verse again. I want you to listen to the words, all and every. Ready? God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound in every good work. You know what Paul is simply saying? Hey, God has grace for your journey. He's got grace for you. He's got strength for you. I'm sitting in a jail cell. I think I might die. <laughs> but may God's grace be all over you. You know what you need this week and what I need this week? I need God's grace. I need God's strength this week. In my marriage, I need God's strength this week. With my kids, I need God's strength this week. With ministry, I need God's strength this week. With loved ones, I need God's strength this week. With enemies, I need God's strength. 
With believers, I need God's strength. You get the picture? Man, we, we need God to give us his strength. You say, well, pastor, how do I get his strength? How do I get grace? Two things in scripture, I've said it many times, two things in scripture that God promises to give when we ask. Number one is wisdom. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Hey, God will give you wisdom. And the second thing is grace. That God will give you grace for every area of your life. And think about what are the two things that you and I need in every situation? Wisdom and how to know how to deal with it, grace to get through it. And God said, I'll give it to you. I love these four verses. <laughs> like, I'm captured by how the, the depth of wealth that's in these verses. Four amazing truths. Before I let you go, Paul's writing. Say, just four quick things. Number one, glorify God. Make sure your life brings him glory this week. Number two, welcome believers. There's gonna be people that come across your path that believe in Jesus that maybe you don't see eye to eye with on certain issues or other. Hey, it's okay. Receive them, encourage them, be a blessing to them. Number three, don't limit the gospel. This week, there's gonna be circumstances and situations that frustrate you, that cause you to doubt God, that cause you to be inferior, that cause you to maybe live in fear or anxiety. This week, you're gonna come across people that you think are unreachable. Hey, don't limit the gospel. And number four, this week, just lean into his grace. Embrace his grace and watch God give you strength for what you need. But you know what I think is very cool? If you reverse it, if you reverse it, you see an amazing foundation that I believe Paul leaned into every day of ministry. Every day I'm gonna embrace his grace. And as I embrace his grace, he's gonna help me reach others with the gospel. And while I reach others with the gospel, I'm gonna love believers because they're doing the same thing. And while we're reaching people with the gospel, we're just glorifying God. Four things that I think were totally key. I, I really do. I think you can go and read all of, the, all of uh, the prison epistles and all of the Pauline writings and find these four things common through all of them. So in your life, let's find these four things. In my life this week, let's find them. Glorify God, welcome believers, don't limit the gospel, and embrace his grace. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.